Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be taking a look back at our reading years, what we loved, a look at some of our stats, uh, the complete challenge wrap-ups. Right. So as usual, we will update you on what we've been reading. We'll get to a little bit of literary news. We'll have our backlist books, and then we'll share our highlights. Sounds good. What have you been reading, Gail? I'm over halfway done with Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, which I know you read. I am working on that one. And then I am at this just crazy time where I like couldn't focus on anything because it's just been lots of details and packing and stuff to do. So you're going to laugh at me, but I picked up a psychological thriller. (laughs) (laughs) I was like needing that popcorn, you know, and I picked up The Wives. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I believe was a recent book of the month pick. Is that right? I think so. Maybe December. Yeah, that's possible. I actually had it from Book Expo, so I didn't get it through Book of the Month. But it's about a guy who is a polygamist, and it's told through the eyes of one of the wives. I have not made it very far. (laughs) But uh, it just was like I just needed something to just engage me, but without making me think too much. I feel like it's been a while since you've read some popcorn. Yeah, Exactly. I've had a lot of heavy stuff. So, so that's, that's what I've been doing. I'm, I'm heading out on vacation today for about nine days and I have a big stack of books I'm taking with me. So I'm sure I'll finish those two and then there'll be more, but I don't have too much more of an update than that. Okay. Wait, what are a few books that you're taking with you? Just curious. Oh yeah. Good question. Shoot. They're all upstairs. I'm bringing the new Jenny Awful book. She's the one who wrote Department of Speculation. And she has a new book out called Weather, Mm -hmm. which comes out next year. I'm bringing that book. Um, I am bringing that nonfiction book that you had sent to me, which is called Why We Can't Sleep, I think. Right. Sort of all about Gen X women and why we're all so stressed out. (laughs) I think that's what it's about. I flipped through it and it looked really good. <laughs> it's a so that's in it's my a book bag. that you can get some helpful tips from. Yes. Shoot, what else is in there? Well, Such a Fun Age is in there and The Wives is in there. And then there's a couple more that I'm forgetting. Um, I think, oh, there's a book called My Spinster Life, I think is what it's called. It came from Prospect Park Press. The publisher out there sent it to me and that looks really cute. I'm, bring, I'm aiming for pretty light stuff. Right. Like I just feel like... I don't know how much time I'll have to read, but I don't, I just, I just want to coast a little bit. Yeah. Until a lot of obligation reading kicks in again, like book club books and, you know, just stuff. Gail, so you make me feel so just, sad for you with your book club books. You're like obligation reading. I guess <laughs> obligation is the wrong word. Scheduled reading. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Pre, pre-scheduled reading. Um, oh, I am bringing actually my in real life book club book, which is Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, which I haven't read yet. I actually think I'm going to change my mind on that. I know Sarah had said that that was good. I know I usually do not like weird, but I've been thinking about it and I've been seeing more reviews and people have been saying it's really well done. So I think I want to read that. Oh, good. So if you want to read it, then we can discuss it. That's my plan. How about you? What are you reading? I never told you this, but I read The Body Mm -hmm. in Question. Oh, you did? I really liked it. Yeah, wasn't it good? Yeah, I thought it was really good. So short, yeah. but she packed so much into that story. Yeah. 
I agree. Like 180 pages, but it's very memorable and it's got a lot going on in there. There's a lot of dimensions to it. I listened to it on audio. Oh, I think I did too. Yeah? I think so. It was really good. So if you don't know what this book is about, it is about this woman who is sequestered for jury duty. She's on this very disturbing case of an adopted child who's accused of killing, I guess, her mother's actual biological child who's a baby. And it's just so, she sets the kid on fire. But that <laughs> that's almost sort of neither here nor there. And it plays in a little bit because one of the jurors does a lot of analysis of the case that she's on. She starts an affair with another juror and it just, there's things going on in her life. So her analysis of the case and her affair, I guess the crux of the book is how affected are we by the things that we're going, that are going on in our lives and how they spill out into other aspects, I would say. You know, what's funny is I don't even remember now how the trial resolved. I mean, obviously don't say, cause I don't want to spoil anything, but like <laughs> it is so um, secondary to the rest of the book, <clears throat> even though it provides the whole kind of narrative framework to it, it, it becomes so unimportant. Right. But really good. All right. Yeah. So I have, <laughs> so I was doing the pop sugar reading challenge, like somewhere in September, October, I realized that I was not going to be able to finish just because there was just so much stuff going on in my life that I could not do that level of sustained reading in terms of finding particular books and finishing up that. But there was one that was like a book that has a million ratings on Goodreads that dovetailed with your challenge that I was, you know, like following along with lightly and of unread classic. And that was The Little Prince by Antoine. Oh, Saint-Exupéry. Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I actually, I, what did you think of The Little Prince? So I spent half the book a little bit resentful of it. I felt like, I think I may be too old for this. I do not know that I'm getting this. But then towards the end, mm -hmm. I feel like I, sh I, okay, I don't feel like, I know I shed a few tears about The Little Prince and his flower. It turned out to be really touching. I can see why so many people like it. I can see how it'd be a really good book to read with your kids and just, hones in on some of those things that we like to say that we do, you know, like taking time for people, taking time to smell the roses in a sense. Why are adults so busy and rushing around over things that are really unimportant in this, in the scheme of things? It redeemed itself a little. I think I read that like in French class or something. It's been a very long time. <laughs> so I don't, I don't even really remember what it was about. It's one of those. So I finished Know My Name by Chanel Miller, which I talked about when we had Ooh. Catherine on the show. Tell me what you thought of it. I mean, I really liked it. It's not a book that you can just blow through. You definitely need to take the emotional space for that book, I think, because she just highlights so many of the things that ways in which women aren't supported, ways in which men are believed and prioritized over um, women. She goes a lot into how his potential played, you know, his potential for what he could have been like this Olympic swimmer. And he was really smart. And all of these things were weighed more heavily against what was the destruction of her actual life. She goes into how she coped, you know, I guess how she kind of spiraled out of control in the year after like couldn't hold down a job being really depressed, you know, the effects that it had on her relationship. I was really touched. And I think what really comes through in this book is 
how much she loved her sister. Like it was a lot, even though it was a lot about all of these other heavy and coping things. I think the familial bonds that she had with her parents, with her boyfriend, and especially with her sister, how she couldn't do things for her, some things for herself, but her love for her sister, I think, really galvanized her to act in certain ways. So it was sort of a love letter to family. Hmm. I'm so excited for my daughter to read it and then for me to borrow it from her. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think she'll take it on vacation? I hope so. I hope so. I, I, she's got some, I asked her last night what she was bringing and she had some competing books, but I'm hoping she'll bring that one. Is this going to be just like a car full of books? Is Nate bringing books? (laughs) Nate is bringing books. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be a lot of books flying across the country today. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of those times when it would be one of those times when it would be good to to have an e-reader, but just. Right. Just not for us. Yeah. Yeah. My son does a lot of graphic novels, so I don't know how good those would be an e-reader anyway. Depends on their formatting. Sometimes they're they're fine if they're formatted well, but I mean, you can't be, I think for a graphic novel, comics, you can't beat the experience of paper. Yeah, I think that's right. Yes, I finished Such a Fun Age, which I don't think we're going to make it an official book club pick, but I will hold it aside so that once you finish, we can throw in a little impromptu discussion of it. Oh, good. I think there'll be a lot to talk about with that book. What's really interesting is that I had my book club last week and one of the women in there, I believe, knows her. So we picked that book for our In Real Life book club next month. And I don't know, maybe she'll come. That would be great. Does she live in New York? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know why I want to say that she lives in DC, but I could just have that in my head because a friend from that book club is moving to DC. So, oh. but she probably does live in New York. She probably lives in Brooklyn. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, she knows New York so well, although there's also a lot of Philly in there too. I feel like she must have lived there at some point. Right. Good. All right. Well, I will definitely finish that. I would say probably by like tomorrow. So yeah, I she lives in Philadelphia, that. but I think she's probably, I mean, it's so close. Philly's so close. She's probably up here a lot, and especially with publishing a book. So we got into an interesting conversation about that because one of my other friends works in publishing who's in that book club. And we're talking about, I think that book was slated to come out in January and now it's coming out in December 31st, which, you know, you say, well, that's basically January, but we're just talking about some of the reasons why it may have been moved back. And this book just explores a lot about, you know, race relations and just, I guess, in a sense, well-meaning white people and the impact that they can have on lives that maybe they don't even realize that they're having. I I don't know if this was going to come out in January or March. I forgot how far they moved it back, but we're just talking about why they would move that book back because it's, it's heavily buzzed. It's been talked about so much and just talking about maybe that there was another big book that it was going to be going head to head with, and that's why they moved it back. I mean, I think it will still do well, but publishing is just so particular about stuff like this. I'm surprised too, because 1231 is clearly, that seems like a book you would bury, like a time you would bury a book. Right. Like it's not, you know, it's a holiday, right. it's a holiday week. Exactly. It's after Christmas, so you're not getting any gift giving part of it. All those it's things we like, talked about, it's just like it's where books yeah. go to die. I think that maybe they didn't want it to go head to head with something else that was really similar and maybe get lost in conversation with another 
author and maybe they're banking on the fact that it's just been, I mean, it was just an, inter- they interview- interviewed her in Entertainment Weekly. I don't know, in the last couple of weeks, it's been on the website. So maybe they're banking on the fact that they've just pushed it so hard. Maybe it's got some celebrity book clubs lined up that they know they'll get the sales regardless. But yeah, that is pretty much a wasteland. People are traveling, people are doing whatever. I think first two weeks of January, you come back, you start settling in and, you know, spending your gift cards or doing a little shopping, you get back in the swing of things. But yeah, it's weird because that book has been so hyped. I mean, it was a a buzz book last May. It just seems like a strange decision. I want to look up, and maybe it's on your copy, because you have a galley of it, right? I do, yeah. Uh, I wonder what the original release date is. I would be curious to see what the original release date is, and just to take a look at what's coming out that week now. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's, I don't have it in the room with me. Well, I'll see if I can dig around, and if I come up with anything, we will report back to that on a okay on a later episode. dun 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 <laughs> okay, you reading anything else? So the last book that I just finished reading is The Current by Tem Johnson, which I think I told you, I had said that I had started reading, it was really good, but it was so detailed, like he gets into all the tumbleweeds about just everything. It was really good and so su- suspenseful. It was like really suspenseful in ways that just when I thought, okay, I know the answer to this and the suspense should be over, there would be a twist or not even so much a twist, but just another uh, piece of the puzzle would unfold. And then it was suspenseful about what was going to happen to that. And he still continues to write in just like this really careful and intricate ways with about these different characters and their interrelationships. It's about these two women who have drowned in the river and it echoes a, a case that had happened 10 years before And you really get to know all the people who live in these small towns and you see how their lives are so intertwined. And they were already still shockwaved and the community is still recovering from this death um, about a woman who was drowned in the river 10 years before when these two new women go into the same river. And it was really surprising. It was so good. I'm glad that I just decided that I was going to just slowly read a chapter here and there and and kind of take the savory route to it because it was, he's a great writer. It was a really rewarding experience. The first part I feel like is the setup and it, it moves like molasses, but by the time you get to the second half, it's just rocking along. So I just wanted to mention a few quick things in the way of a little bit of literary news, things that I feel like you should check out. NPR every year does what they call a book concierge. With all of their contributors, I think they are able to put together basically this huge grid that is sortable of about 350 books that they have, that their different editors and critics have recommended over the year. It is fantastic, the books that you will find there. And they organize them in different categories. So like if you're looking for a thriller, or something with science or something for your book club, you can just easily go to that tab and you have so many different recommendations. Um, I actually found out about this last year because it was in part of a reading challenge that I was looking at. And they said one of the prompts was to read one of the books from this list, but it Mm -hmm. is just something that you have to check out because I mean, if you love books and you want to see them sorted, in all different ways, 350 
book recommendations, you just can't go wrong with that. So you should definitely check that out. I spent a little time on that site. It's pretty impressive. Oh. And great taste. Yes. Just, just, they just pick good stuff. Right. Yeah. I think one of the book prompts that I'm going to contribute or something will be just to pick one book from that because you can't go wrong with that. I think that's a pretty no stress, fun mm-hmm. challenge prompt because you can just get lost in thinking of all the different things that you might consider reading from that. Mm-hmm. What else was I going to say? Uh, I went to the book of the month holiday party. I know it's been announced. Oh, tell us about that. I know it's been announced, but Daisy Jones and the Six won their book of the year. And I had been talking to some people. I had read three of the books and was familiar with one other of the books and then didn't know about the other one or had not been interested in it. There are different publishers there that have worked with Book of the Month over the past year in particular. And so a lot, a lot of people had maybe just read the book that their company had worked on. So there was a lot of speculation. Since I had read three of the books and just knowing how well Daisy Jones had done, that was my guess for what would win. So because these things are basically just popularity contests. What was bigger than the Daisy Jones book? I mean, no little literary fiction book or anything was going to win. Were there different categories or is it was it like fiction book of the year or is it just book of the year no that's what makes it really hard because i think different people voted so i guess probably just depending on what the contingent was it was what members had voted as their favorite book of the year and then i think it was boiled down to those five literary fiction against daisy jones and the six against i think one of them was the silent patient hmm So I had a pretty good feeling that would have won. Yeah. So she was there. She accepted the award. Siobhan presented her with the award, which is like this huge, huge statue. And it's really heavy. I got to feel it. And there was like lots of mingling and drinks and, you know, people networking. So it was fun. It was at the Dream Hotel. The food was excellent. They had bourbon-based drink called the lolly which is what they actually call their award i met i met becca freeman from bad on paper podcast and i met ashley spivey and a few other people it was fun that sounds like fun i'm so sad i couldn't go next year gail next year i'm like that character from such a fun age like wistfully longing for new york (laughs) (laughs) In other news, the trailer for Little Fires Everywhere is out, the first one. I have no context for it. It stars Carrie Washington, and she says something in the trailer that maybe people who have read the book will know about. And I think it's something about having to face who you are or something. I don't know. But I will link to the trailer in the show notes. By the time this comes out, Mm. this trailer may have been out for a couple of weeks, but... We'll link to it anyway. It definitely seems very dramatic. And I'm sure as additional teaser trailers come out, it will seem even more tantalizing. So I need to get on Mm -hmm. it and read that book if I want to, if I want to read it before the series. Yeah. Finally, my news item was something that I already mentioned. So my in real life book club is reading such a fun age and Kylie Reed might make an appearance and we will do some more research to see if we can figure out why they pushed her book back. So I had some book related news, which is that both the New York public, New York 
City Public Library, I guess it's just the New York Public Library and the DC Public Libraries, both came out with lists of the most checked out books Ooh. over the course of the last year. Of course, I don't have them open right now. I can pull them open. But what was so interesting to me was that the lists were extremely similar. For the New York Library, the New York Library's most checked out books last year were, and they're so not surprising, Becoming Educated, Little Fires Everywhere, Spark of Light by Jody Pico, Where the Crawdads Sing, Pachinko, which I was surprised to see Pachinko so high. That's awesome. That was Cersei. because over the summer, New York does a... Was that like a... It was one of the picks for, pick for one year, one book, or one New York, one city, yeah. one book, or something like that. I don't know if it won. Maybe it did, but it was definitely one of the nominees. Okay. that I was kind of wondering if it was like part of one of those like citywide reading things. Um, Cersei, Nine Perfect Strangers, Bad Blood, Milkman... Um, so that was, those are the New York Public Library. And then New York breaks it down by all the boroughs. And they were very similar with a little bit of shifting around from borough to borough. But that's generally across um, the five the five boroughs of Manhattan. So then if we do the D.C. Public Library top checked out books, let's see. Five boroughs, New York, she meant. Oh, what did I say? Manhattan. <laughs> oh, sorry. Five boroughs of New York. I do know the difference. Sorry, I'm pulling up the DC one. I'll try to find it, but it was basically the same books. It was Becoming Educated Crawdads, Little Fires. I mean, it just was like, it's just interesting how national now kind of book book trends have become. I don't, I don't know if that's national. I would be curious to compare it to something just- middle of the country. Because I remember reading this book, The Swallows by Lisa Lutz earlier this year and talking to a woman who's from Alabama and she was just like, this is so outside of my experience. I was so shocked by what I read in this book and I wasn't shocked at all. And I feel like, I don't, I mean, DC, New York are very, I think similar in outlook. Yeah. More so I would say, I would love to compare it to a library book list from the state of Alabama or Montana or, I wonder. Yeah, you're probably right. So it's more of a like East Coast urban thing. I see the list. Top 10 fiction books. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they broke it down between fiction and nonfiction. Will you read it out? Because I can't seem to find it. So nonfiction, it was Educated, Becoming, Bad Blood, The Library Book, Born a Crime, Say Nothing, The Fifth Risk, uh, Between the World and Me, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Hillbilly Elegy. Hmm. Which is everyone, it seems like taking, there's a few from this year, but it seems like, li- I mean, library, what's considered front list is a much longer time period than it is for publishing. Like libraries and new releases typically can be anything that came out in the last year. All these right. books are really popular. I would think the whole lists are very long on them. And there's probably constant exposure to them. So constantly people are trying to check them out. Because with the exception of Where the Crawdads Sing and Becoming and maybe Bad Blood, a lot of these are older. Yeah. All right. So that's our literary news for the week. 
Um, I did do my top 10 reads of the year, so I can talk about those, but I haven't done the full wrap up. So I can give you a very like um, preliminary look at my stats, but there, I haven't, I haven't run the numbers. Okay. I hit my Goodreads goal, which was 60 books. I hit, I'm at 61. Excited about that. I think that's the most I've ever read in a year. I never, I've never hit 60 before. So that's exciting. So what's next year's goal going to be? 65? 62? Um, You're going to hold steady? Yeah, maybe I'll like 62. I mean, I guess I could do 65. That would be a big stretch. Because there were definitely some, you know, some times this year where I was really not reading a lot. And then there were times when I was reading a ton. Like usually I consolidate a lot of books on vacation. So 65 would be, God, that would be a lot. But would it, all those times when you weren't reading because you were stuck on that YA book that you were reading or? (laughs) Sometimes it's because I'm stuck on a book, but oftentimes it's just because I've just gotten really busy with stuff. I'm playing devil's, I'm the devil on Gail's shoulder. No, no, it's a good point. And I, you know, my goal every year is to only read books I want to (laughs) read. And when we talk about the reading challenge for next year and particularly one on my blog, I'll get into sort of how I've changed the categories to try to reach that goal. Cause I feel like this past year I, I read, I read too many books this last year that I didn't really want to read that badly and that I might've abandoned or wouldn't have picked up at all, but I felt like I had to do it for a, a challenge or a book club or something like that. So I think I could read more. I could have read more if I didn't, like you said, get stuck on a few books and you know, like always, I'll, I'll aim next year to pick only books I really want to read. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go for like 62. And that way, I, you know, it will either be – I can either can hopefully reach it or I'll surpass it and then I'll feel really good about surpassing mm-hmm. it. So I think 62 sounds like a good a good number. And maybe the next time we talk, I can break down – what I read sort of in those various categories and then I can set some goals in terms of those like you know you and I have talked in the past about like wanting to read more men or more nonfiction or whatever that is I can try to make some make some goals on that but I don't have that ready for this show because okay how about you with your reading year before we get into challenges my reading year has been Pretty good. I hit my, I did hit my Goodreads goal. Now I know this show will air early January. So just for reference, we're recording this on December 22nd. My Goodreads goal was 85 books this year. I've read 86 books so far. My my little, Nicole, that's amazing. My little reading spreadsheet says that I will probably read 89 by the end of the year. I expect it might be a little bit more. Because I have a few books that I am really close to finishing. And, you know, I will probably have this next eight days where it's quieter. I'll be spending time with my family. um, So I'll have a lot more time to read. I feel like there was huge pieces of this year where I was not reading a lot. Like this has been, 2019 has been sort of a challenging year. Just like kind of one thing after another in my personal life. So I don't know. Hopefully next year will be better. Since I did 85 this year, maybe my goal will be 100 for next year. My spreadsheet kind of tallies things as I go along. So the numbers will change slightly, but it seems like I 
I don't know. I can't. And not that I even try to, so I won't say I can't reach um, behind, reach for more in terms of reading men. But I read, I read uh, 81.4% of the books I read were by women. Uh, 18.6 were by men. Given my natural tendencies, we'll read about 20% of the books that I read in any given year are by men. And this one, I guess it dipped slightly. 18.6 were nonfiction. And I wonder how much nonfiction actually overlaps with the men category. I think it's a high, <laughs> yeah, pretty high percentage. So 81.4% fiction. 10% of what I read was audio. 13% was ebooks. 75% was print. I bought 52% of my books. Wow. Yeah. 32% were ARCs. 14.9% were from the library. So that was probably ebooks. 1.1% was a gift. I wonder if that's the one you sent me that I counted as a gift, one book. So I read one mm. children's book, which was The Little Prince, one middle grade book, which, not middle grade, one YA book, which was um, Tony Adiemi's book, Children of Blood and Bone. So here's something shameful, and I'm going to try differently for next year. 80% of the books that I read came out in 2019. I don't think that's shameful. 16% was backlist books. And there's this other category that I can't quite read that I don't know what that even means. Oh, yeah. Does it mean 2020? Yeah. My breakdown was... Wow, I'm impressed by how you um, keep track of all this. This is so great. Oh, yeah. I just log each book in this spreadsheet that captures so much information, like title, author, yeah. publisher... Uh, story locale, when I started, when I finished, if I didn't finish it, whether it was print, fiction or nonfiction, how many pages, audio, was it an audiobook? So audiobooks, I spent, it says I spent three days reading. <laughs> three, <laughs> da three days, eight hours and 47 minutes listening to audiobooks. That was like 80, 80 hours and 47 minutes. I've read 23,984 pages so far. Average pages a day, 67. And it says the average was seven books a month. I read the most books in November. I read 14 books in November. 62% had no, yeah, I should do no people of color. 37.2% had people of color. Then it breaks it down by author. I could go on and on. That's amazing. I've never done that. I mean, I never used to read so many books. So I just... At the end of the year for me to just tally up the, the very simple stats I do, I just sort of did it manually. I just looked down the list of books I read and it's like, oh, male, female, nonfiction, fiction, audio, print, returning author. But I love that what you do. That's really cool. Maybe I should do something like that this year and just kick that yeah, off. Yeah, I can send it to you. Yeah, if you don't mind, that would be great. Um, Book Riot publishes one every year. I think this one is the one that Rachel Manuel had worked on. They have a different one this mm -hmm. year that has even more, that captures even more categories. Uh, I actually tweaked it because there was other things that I wanted to track. So I'm curious mm -hmm. to see what their additions are. I think I looked at the one for this year and think they're tracking where you got your books from. Like I bought 50% of my books. I would think that that's a pretty even spread between Barnes and Noble, my local, is Three Lives, Bookstore, and probably some Amazon stuff. Do you track your recommendation source the way Sarah does? No. But maybe I'll add a, that would maybe be so I'll add hard a column to do. for that. 
Well, I think I mean, it probably think only it's... works if you have a real source. Like if, like J. Ryan Stradall told you about that baseball book. Well, she does like she tracks certain podcasts, certain blogs, um, you know, influencers that she follows, she, people on Instagram that she follows. I, I would have a hard time doing that because sometimes I've read about a book so many different places. I guess It'd it would be, really be maybe the one just that one just place. pushed you over the edge. The one review that you read that said, okay, I have got to read this because I don't know. She ask her how she figures that out. I feel like I've have such a good handle on my taste at this point, And I'm usually reading about stuff, maybe an idol vice. So, and I try not to read a lot of reviews. I don't like to read reviews before I read the book. So I'm not sure if that category would ever really get filled out for me. Mm-hmm. Probably be what would be more helpful for me is source. Like if I did some of these purchases, books that I bought, I've got, I think, probably eight of those are from Book of the Month because I, I bought it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> well, that's great. All right. Well, I'll have more to report when next time we talk when I've done my stats. Let's talk about reading challenges. And um, I can tell a little bit about the Everyday I Write the Book blog reading challenge for 2020. And you can talk a little bit about your reading challenge and then how we'll combine those into the Readerly Report one. Okay. Uh, so I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago that I felt like with last year's categories, while some of them were great and there were lots of books that fit the bill, I was really struggling to find books I wanted to read to fill the other ones, a few of them. And when I talked about books that felt like obligation or books that slowed me down, a lot of them were for this reading challenge for the every day I write the book reading challenge. And I just really want to avoid that for next year. So what I'm going to do in 2020 is more open-ended and it allows people to read their bookshelves more and to kind of follow their reading, their natural reading path a little more. So on the one hand, I get that this is not going to stretch people's minds maybe as much as other challenges would, and it's not going to put you out of your comfort zone the way other challenges might. And it's probably not going to lead to a lot of undiscovered stuff or more diverse voices and things like that, which I think are all very, you know, noble reasons to do a challenge. It's just for me personally, not the challenge that I wanted to do because I just, like I said, I just want to not get bogged down and stuff. Yeah. I think you want the challenge of sliding or or I would say the satisfaction of sliding a book into a category, but that would be fun to look for. Yeah. I think that's right. The satisfaction is completing it and find right finding the right we get fit to check rather boxes. than you get to check boxes and you get to maybe check books off your list that you've always wanted to read as opposed to I need to go out and find something that will fit the bill that you know down the road I'll be grateful that I read but won't necessarily like get me fired up to read. So here are my categories and some of them have to do with topic and some of them have to do more with like are kind of topic agnostic and you'll laugh because a few of them are ones that I've mocked on other (laughs) challenges in the past, but I'm still doing them. Okay. So the first one is epistolary novel and this can be, doesn't have to just be letters. It could be text or email because there's a lot of kind of modern takes on the epistolary novel. Does it have to be truly epistolary or mostly? I think mostly is fine. 
Is there anything where the story is told mostly through correspondence as opposed to through narration will fit the bill for a pistolary novel? Um, then I have a book that's been sitting on your shelf for two or more years. So something that maybe you've been like passing over for a long time and you just like want an excuse to actually read it. You can read Home it. Homegoing, cartwheel. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay, this one I'm really excited about. And this only works for people who read in print. So you have to stand in front of your bookshelf and close your eyes and walk to the bookshelf and then tap a book. And then you have to read that one. I guess on you your e-reader, you could go to the library page where it lists a bunch of books and then just close your eyes and point at one. Nice. Okay. So this is called Pick a Book, Any Book. And no do-overs. Like, you can't do it and be like, oh, <laughs> I don't really want to read that one. So call yourselves before you do this one. Right. <laughs> um, a book with the word love in the title. Uh, that was on one of my challenges for last year. I was supposed to read Love and Ruin by Paula McLean. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. Well, I figure this one, you know, I'm always like, oh, I don't want to read a specific book by title, but I figure this is going to be wide enough that, you know, you can always find a book about love. Um, okay. A book recommended by a podcast or a blog. So that should be pretty easy. Um, a celebrity memoir, um, a book about time travel. And I'm excited maybe to read the book that you keep recommending time was, or the one, is that the one about the, the, the that Michael Chang wrote? San Francisco. No, book. that one is uh, here and now and then. Okay, here and now and then. I think you also recommended another time travel. Yeah, it was recently. time was. Okay, so there's a lot of time travel books out there, and I find time travel books fascinating. Um, debut novel. I returned that category because I think that's a fun one. Okay, this is one that I would mock on another challenge, but a book with a blue cover. Mm. Um, nonfiction. A book about sports. And that can be fiction or nonfiction, but something has to do some, some in very general way with some kind of sport. And then a book by an author you love. So pick a, a book that you haven't read by someone that you like. And that's it. I'm probably going to add a book that means something tragic has happened. And then you can put the lone baby shoe, the dropped ice cream, the broken lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Somebody like who's fading away. Right. Like someone who's blurred yeah, out. Yeah, someone who's blurred out, um, only half their faces on the cover. There's just so many, yeah. so many ways to impede yeah. menace. To suggest strategy, tragedy. So if you're re listening to this and you didn't participate in 2019's reading challenge, and this sounds interesting to you, um, the best thing to do is go to Facebook and look for the 2020 EDI WTB reading challenge. Um, or you can also look for my Facebook page every day. I write the book and I'll link to this challenge from there as well. And I will have um, a link to the blog post that covers this. So the, the blog post is also on every day. I write the book. And I also have a Google doc, a Google sheet where you can keep track of the books you read and you can see what other people have read for categories if you're looking for some inspiration. So I will link to that. That um, I have to go fill out my choices. Google sheet. I yeah. It's, it's very blank right now. I've added one book to the epistolary novel thing because I want to remember it. But I put it in parentheses. Obviously, I haven't read it yet. So 
that's the challenge. I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm, I know that people suggested categories and they were really thoughtful and they were like, you know, books that would definitely stretch your mind, books by journalists, books by people from other countries. And I know I should not do it, but I kind of just went with my heart on this one and picked the stuff that well, maybe your heart will lead you to men, excited. other countries and <laughs> yes, diverse authors. So there it is. That's the challenge. All right. You want to talk about the prompts that you have come up with for your challenge? That is still in progress. I do think I am going to use the cover that hints at menace (laughs) prompt. And one is going to be the NPR book concierge thing because I really like that. Good. And I don't know. I have to sit and think what my heart desires and come up with mine, which I will post separately. I think it will be probably more, maybe 25 books. And then I will just add, we will come up with our combined readerly report challenge where if you dare, you will read according to the whims of both Gail and Nicole. (laughs) (laughs) Ours will run probably something like February through January of 2021 or February 15th. I don't know. It, in, anyway, it'll start in a month to give us a chance to talk about it a little bit more and organize it and see how we want it, want it to flow. One of the things that we also have to work on, Gail, is our March Madness. Oh, I think yes. we should do the books that we read in common for 2019 are the ones that should be eligible. And so now we have to figure out brackets. So. Okay. For this episode, I am going to actually link to a list of of titles that we have both read so that people who listen to the podcast, if you're interested, if you can help us out in any way to look at these categories and figure out how we might weight them or what should go up against each other. Because I don't even know if we should be the ones who pick it, who who do the brackets Mm -hmm. if we're judging. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can find a friend of ours to do it for us. Oh, that's a great idea. Maybe we'll get Sarah to do it. I came so close to finishing my Pop Sugar reading reading challenge. There's 40 regular prompts, and then there uh, there were 10 advanced prompts. And if I had finished 10 more books, I would have finished this challenge of 50 books. Uh, I got stuck on a few. Two books that share the same title. I was going to read the quicksand books because there's also a Netflix series. In fact, some of the easier categories I didn't even do. Book turning into a movie I didn't do. Book with love in a title. You probably did it and don't realize that you did it. Oh, is that one of their categories too? I didn't know that. A book set in space. I was going to do the book of strange new (laughs) things. (laughs) Um, A book set in Scandinavia, which I normally would have done. I wanted to read Lost Boy by Camilla Lackberg, a book with a question in the title. Book published posthumously, I might actually finish because I'm in the middle of Barracoon by Zora Neale Hurston. A book you see someone reading on TV or in a movie, I want to read Strangers on a Train. So a lot of these books are books that I just didn't get to, but still want to read. So I didn't finish that challenge. I'm going to promptly just get back on the horse and sign up for another one and still read what I want and just see how close I come to finishing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. We want to get Gail off. So we will hold over our backlist books and, 
And I think we were going to try to do a little bit of looking ahead to see what was coming up that we wanted to read most next. But oh, her f- let's do that in the beginning of January. Her flight is calling. Well, I think our yeah. first episode of January won't air till the 16th. So. Okay. Well, that's, that's still fine. January. Yeah. All right. Well, um, and I will, I can talk about my, my reading goals then too, cause I'll have my stats done and we can maybe, you know, have a nice look ahead to 2020. And in addition to all these challenges and what we want to read, we can talk a little bit about if we have some specific category breakdowns that we want to focus on. Yeah. Well, we will take this time to reflect and, and get back to you with some more concrete answers. All right. Well, happy new year to you and happy holidays to you. I hope you have a wonderful vacation and uh, I look forward to lots of time with you, hopefully in 2020. We have some, some goals for this podcast, which involve Nicole and my, and me being in the same place occasionally, which doesn't happen much. I, did that even happen in all of last year? Because it didn't happen at Book Expo. No, I don't think so. Oh, my God. That's crazy. For someone I talk to as much as you, I haven't actually laid eyes on you. Yeah, we have to figure it out. Maybe something quarterly or something. I mean, you come to New York. I've got to visit Adam. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we got to make that work. Um, Thank you to everyone who listens and comments and and sends me messages saying, when's the next show coming out? Cause I get those, which is really sweet. So, um, we really appreciate you listeners. We would have no podcast without you. So, or at least we'd have a really sad one that no one ever listened to, but <laughs> our numbers have been growing a lot and, and we really appreciate that. And we hope that you keep sharing, sharing us with your friends and other people who love to read and love books. So thank you to all of you out there. And we hope that 2020 is everybody's best reading year yet. So until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. 